2 Peter chapter 1 and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 17. We'll begin in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And then Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun And his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. The title I've given to my message this morning is Christianity, Fact or Fiction? Christianity, Fact or Fiction? How do you know God exists? How do you know Christianity is true? Who's to say that the Christian faith is the only faith? How do you know that Jesus is who He says He is? How do you know that the Bible is God's Word? Don't you know that the story of Jesus is a hoax that was almost a carbon copy of other ancient gods? Are you so arrogant to believe that you are right and everybody else is wrong? Don't you know that science has proven the Bible to be untrue? How is it that you continue to believe such nonsense? These questions that are oftenly asked 
by doubtful skeptics are genuine questions that deserve genuine answers. And from what we gather from Peter's words expressed in verse 16, making such scornful and accusatory statements that are meant to slander Christian people is not something that is exclusive to those who live in the 21st century. Looking to our text this morning, the first thing we find Peter establishing for us is the reality that believers of Jesus Christ are going to meet with individuals in this world who accuse them of believing a fairy tale. If you're taking notes this morning, the first truth that I want us to observe from verses 16 through 21 of 2 Peter chapter 1 is the doubtful accusations of others. The doubtful accusations of others. The fact that Peter is moved to say, we have not followed cunningly devised fables, teaches us that there were those in Peter's day charging Christian people with believing cunningly devised fables. In our observation of Peter's words, we are reminded of the fact that there were those charging the disciples of the Lord of spewing forth myths and ancient legends. There were those going around to Christians in churches accusing the apostles of teaching them man-made, manufactured stories. Just as the Egyptians had their stories of how all things came to be, just as the Philistines had their gods and their specific way of worshiping their God, just as the Greeks and the Romans had various concepts about where we came from, how all things came to be, what the purpose of life is, so Christians, the skeptics would declare, are obviously going to have their own version of fictional beliefs. Depending upon one's upbringing, one's culture, one's circumstantial influences of life, depending upon one's personal preference, every person will be fashioned to believe what they want to believe. Uh, they will believe whatever makes them happy. Uh, they will believe whatever works for them. And if Christianity is the hat you decide to wear, if it is the certain group that you choose to belong to, then so be it. But the skeptics would say, I'm not choosing to believe a myth. I'm not choosing to believe a man-made tradition. I'm not going to believe a speculative tale. Has anybody ever heard these things spoken before? Have you ever heard anyone make such accusations of the Christian faith? Perhaps of your faith. You say you're a Christian. You say you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You say that you believe the Bible is God's word and that God's word is objective truth. Such notions are illogical and inaccurate. I'm sorry that you've been brainwashed. Such concepts are illogical and inaccurate. Well, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ this morning, isn't it encouraging to recognize that Solomon is right in his asserting that there's nothing new under the sun? Isn't it strangely reassuring that the same exact accusations of the Christian faith that were made in Peter's day are made in our day. I don't think I have to convince you of the fact that if you 
engage in conversations with others, if you listen to enough radio programs that are aired throughout the day, if you will look at various topics of videos that are being produced on YouTube, if you will read the articles that are coming out of Google, you are going to find scornful critics that hurl accusations of your faith, just as Christian people met with 2,000 years ago. You call yourself a Christian? Christianity is a fairy tale. Christianity is nothing more than a crutch for weak-minded, emotionally unstable people. You actually believe in Jesus? Jesus is a mythical figure. He's no different from Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, or the Tooth Fairy. You believe the Bible? Don't you know that the Bible was written by men and is full of contradictions and errors? Don't you know that the Bible has been corrupted and changed over the years? You go to church that teaches the Bible? Oh, you poor, unintelligent, indoctrinated, illogical, manipulated person. I'll pray for you, though I don't believe in prayer. Don't you know that the church was established to control you and the church functions solely to get your money? Don't you know that the pastor has been trained in scare tactics? This is my favorite one. I love this accusation. As if we went to Monsters, Inc. University to scare people. (laughs) Haven't you learned that organized religion is the world's largest pyramid scheme? Don't you know that religion is the cause of all problems in this world? Don't you know the church is full of hypocrites? Have you heard these sentiments spoken by others? They say Christianity is fiction. It's not true. You have no solid evidence to back up what you believe. So stop pushing it on others. Stop with the track distribution. Stop with interfering on the moral issues of our day. Why are you wasting your life worshiping a God that is not real? Why not just enjoy life to the fullest? Why not just eat and drink and be merry, have fun, rather than being enslaved to a bunch of rules that have been fabricated by the changing opinions of man. These are the accusations of others that not only exist in our day, but existed in Peter's day as well. Well, knowing the accusations that others have toward Christianity, the Apostle Peter answers such responses by declaring the fact that he and others were not blind believers of Jesus Christ, but they were actual eyewitnesses of his majesty. And this is point number two. The second truth that is highlighted for us in the text is the eyewitnesses and experiences of Jesus' disciples. So the first truth that Peter sets before our eyes is the truth that others will inevitably accuse Christian people of being followers of cunningly devised fables, myths. The second truth that Peter sets before our eyes is the truth that Peter, James, and John, three of Jesus' disciples, were eyewitnesses of Jesus' transfiguration. They were present when God the Father confirmed from heaven that Jesus was his son. They were present witnessing the powerful demonstration of Christ's 
divine nature. And Christ appeared to them in a unique way. Christ validated for them that he was the Christ, the son of the living God, just as Peter affirmed moments before. So Peter is saying, listen, the claims of Christ are not cunningly devised fables. They are not invented by men. I was personally chosen to be one of Jesus' disciples. I learned from him for three years. I talked with him. I touched him. I saw him perform dozens of miracles that no man can explain. I saw him do miracles that only God can do. I saw him walk on water. And by the way, God allowed me to walk on water. And when I fell, he saved me. I was there. I saw his transfiguration. I heard the voice of heaven. I saw him shortly after he resurrected from the dead. And Peter goes on and says in the text, and if for some reason you won't believe my personal testimony, believe the testimony of those who were with me. You see, this is not just my testimony. What I am telling you is not just my opinion. This is the testimony of James and John. They were on the mountain with me. They saw Jesus' transfiguration as well. They heard the voice of God as I did. And this is why Peter in our text says, we, four times, beginning in verse 16, he says, we, not just I, but we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses, plural, of his majesty. Verse 18, the voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him. In the holy mount. So back to our question. How do I know that Christianity is not a fable? How can you be sure that what I am saying about Christ is not a myth? Well, Peter says, because there are other witnesses. There are others beside me who will authorize that what I am telling you is True. And I can't help but think that as Peter is writing this epistle, that he's pondering the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, he not only appeared to him and the other apostles, Jesus appeared to above 500 brethren at once. So if I was Peter, I would be thinking, do you really think that we, hundreds of us, would give up all that we have to follow a myth. Do you really think that hundreds of people saw a con artist raise himself from the dead? Do you really think that we would be so simple-minded and naive to devout our entire life to a lie? Do you really think that I would go through the trouble of writing this letter to you about Jesus Christ, just an ordinary man? And for what purpose would I do that? Peter is saying, what I am telling you is true. And it can be proven by the testimonies of many. You see, this is not, listen, this is not about one man having an experience somewhere in the backside of the desert by the metaphysics center in Joshua Tree. 
This is one man whose life has been completely transformed, who has witnessed and heard the same things other people have witnessed and heard, who experienced the same transformation of life. So just apply the same principle to witnesses in a courtroom. It's one thing for one person to give testimony of something being true in a courtroom. But it's another thing for several people and even hundreds of people giving testimonies of something to be true that are in perfect agreement with each other. So we go back to our question. How do we know that Christianity is true? How do we know that the Bible is not a book of myths? Answer, the testimony of others establishes that it's true. And by the way, if you want to add testimony to testimony, just call Abraham to the stand. Call Isaac to the stand. Call Jacob to the stand. Hear the testimony of Moses. Hear the testimony of David. Hear the testimony of Solomon. Hear the testimony of Paul. Hear the testimony of Lazarus, of Martha and Mary. If you want to set them in the courtroom and Perry Mason them, you will find that all their testimonies are consistent. They all establish one truth, and they all speak about one person, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Not one disagrees with the other. Not one is incohesive with another. And this then leads us to the third and final truth that Peter wants us to recognize, which is the fact that this is so because of the testimony of God. So the third and final truth that Peter is seeking to establish at the forefront of our minds is the fact that we have in the Bible not just the testimony of finite men, we have in the Bible the testimony of the eternal, sovereign, holy, infinite God. So let's trace Peter's words one more time. He says, verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the Holy Mount. This is the testimony of the three men at the Mount of Transfiguration. The text goes on. Notice. But we have also, beside my testimony and the testimony of others, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture of his, is of any private interpretation. In other words, the Bible is not man's own word. Nothing has been spoken by a person's own knowledge or invention. Nothing is the result of man's calculation or conjecture. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Do you see what Peter says? 
Peter says, in the collection of these books we call the Bible or the Scriptures, we have a more reliable witness than men. In this book, the Bible, we have the divinely inspired witness of Almighty God. God has supernaturally inspired men to record exactly what He wanted so that we might come to understand that the testimonies of men are true and reliable. So what Peter is essentially saying is this. If you won't believe my testimony, if you won't believe the testimony of others, the disciples and the witnesses, believe God's Word. God's Word is more reliable than eyewitnesses because God's Word is perfect. The prophecy of Scripture came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Paul says, 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. So Peter says, yes, I was there in the Holy Mount. I heard the audible words of the Father. I witnessed the unique glory that shined through Jesus' humanity. But you need to recognize that God's word is greater than any experience of man because God's word is God's voice. God's word is God's will. God's word speaks about Christ from beginning to end. He is the word. The inspired word speaks of the incarnate word. And if you will be humble and honest, if you will read the Bible and put its writings to the test, you will find that the Bible is both historically and scientifically accurate. You will find that the Bible provides us with sufficient answers to how everything was created. Why there is sin in this world. Why there is death in this world. And what hope there is for us after death. In the 66 books of the Bible, listen, 66 books of the Bible written in three different languages by 40 different authors spanning three continents over 1,500 years, you will find that the messages that each book expresses fits together flawlessly. Every author speaks of the same theme. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Of the hundreds, listen, of the hundreds, not one, not two, not three, not handfuls, of the hundreds of prophecies that were predicted hundreds of years beforehand by different people who never met each other, all these prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, which only verifies the fact that the Christian faith, despite what others may say, is not a blind faith. It is a faith that is based on reliable truths and solid evidence that have been proven to be factual. So Peter concludes his assertion of these things by saying, verse 19, look, Peter ends by pointing his finger, giving you the facts of why Christianity is true Peter then says, verse 19, that you would do well to take heed. 
based on evidence after evidence after evidence after evidence, the light is brightly shining in your face. Therefore, you would do well to take heed to what God's Word says. You would do well to believe it. You would do well to submit your life to it. You would do well to rejoice in it, to receive it as true, to hear it not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. You would do well to share it. If God's word is true, and it is, then you need to live by it. So let me ask you this morning, what do you believe? And what is the foundation of your beliefs? What is the foundation of your faith? Every person has faith. And if you do not believe the Bible to be God's word, if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, my question is, what do you believe? In yourself? In science? In politics? In nothing? In some other religion that has little Evidence of being true? And then connected with that question, what is the source of your objective belief? How do you know that what you believe is true? How can you know that it is reliable? And listen, you can't just say, well, I just feel. I just feel that it's right. Well, that's just what the majority believe, so I'm floating down river, believing what everybody else believes. You can't just say, well, that's just what my mama told me. Come on, help me out. You can't just say, well, I went to college and my Ph.D. professor told me that God isn't real. He's got that London accent, you know. You can't just say, well, someone told me. These are the same charges made against the Christian faith that we have just provided an answer for from a reliable resource that has stood the test of time. So we're throwing the question back at you. Is your faith a myth? Has it been invented by men? Are there witnesses solidifying the fact that your faith is the real faith? Does it agree with science and history? Does it speak to the issues of our day authoritatively? Come on, I'm pressing you in a corner. Let me take a commonly held thought or two and show you the reality of what I'm saying. Many people say, well, I just believe that everyone dies and that's it. I believe that there's no afterlife. I believe that when you're dead, you just go into the ground and worms eat you. That's it. Well, again, ask the questions. How do you know that that is true? What objective truth convinces you that such thoughts are real? What credible sources would establish the fact that what you are saying holds weight all right, take another one. Well, I just believe that the universe came by a big bang and we all evolved from a single cell organism. I believe that life is meaningless. I believe that everything is a giant accident. I believe that there is no purpose to anything in life. I believe there are no absolutes, so life is just one big blob of nothingness. All right? Again? What objective truth convinces you that your beliefs are accurate? 
What credible sources establish that what you believe is fact? How is this even logical? Come on, press them back. So let's get this right. Painters paint paintings. Builders build buildings. Even a kindergartner can understand this. Music is composed by musicians. But the universe and our bodies just randomly happen to be. All this order came from chaos. And we don't know why. Do you see the absolute absurdity that this world leads us to believe? Here, the unbelieving world charges Christians with believing myths when they are the one claiming that all came from nothing and they don't know why, and they are the one brainwashing others with their myths. I'm here to declare this morning in your hearing from Scripture that Christianity is true. God is the creator of the world. All men are lost and utterly sinful. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's authoritative truth. Salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Are there any skeptics here this morning? Do you need another piece of evidence to file in your mind? Well, not only do we have the testimony of men like Peter and the other apostles and the hundreds who saw Jesus after his resurrection, not only do we have the witness of God recorded in Scripture, listen, we also have the experiences of those who know Christ savingly who are in this room. Call them to the stand. We have the witnesses of those who've been born again by the Spirit of God, just like the Bible says, and they did not convince themselves of these truths. God has revealed it to them. You need to realize that in this room, there are people who used to be atheists, drunkards, rock and rollers, Skeptics, blinded by demonic influences. There are those who used to be good, moral, church-going people, lost, unregenerate, who thought themselves deserving of heaven, who've come to faith in Christ. God has opened their eyes to the truth regarding who He is, and this is in perfect harmony with what God says in His Word regarding what true salvation is all about. And not only that, but you have millions upon millions since the time of Christ. Millions upon millions worldwide who have never met each other at all who are unified in this same gospel. They were not seeking God, but God sought them. What do you say to that? If you are a skeptic of this Christian faith, if you are unsure of what you believe, listen, you have a great dilemma. Here's your dilemma. Either the Bible is true as it claims to be, 
as it has been confirmed over the years, or Christianity is the biggest deception that has ever been. Either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's the greatest con artist who has led multitudes into a lie. There's no middle option. There's no gray area. There's no in-between. Listen, either what I am saying is true or it's false. Either Jesus is the truth or he is a tale. Either Christianity is fact or fiction. So I'm imploring you this morning to be reasonable And see that Jesus is the Christ who will save to the uttermost all who come to God through Him. Our faith is not a blind faith. Our faith has evidence after evidence after credible testimony after credible testimony that can be supported by science and history in archaeology that points to the fact that it's all true. Christian, don't let anybody accuse you of believing a myth. We believe the truth, and if you're in Christ, you know that it's the truth that has set you free.